You are listening to Radio Maria and it is time for our Credo programme. This evening, I'm delighted to welcome David Wells. He is a speaker, teacher and catechist, author. He has written and presented a video series called You, Your Children and Their Catholic Faith. And he's also written two books, The Reluctant Disciple and The Grateful Disciple. He's also co-written the book um, with Raymond Friel, who you may remember was with us um, on other Credo programmes recently. And that book is called At Your Side, a book for those who pray, those who want to pray and those who lead prayer. This evening, David's going to be speaking to us about Gaudate, a brief look at the importance of joy. David, it's a pleasure to have you with us this evening. Thank you so much for offering your time. You're so welcome. I'm very happy uh, to be with you and on the radio. And what better use of an evening? Uh, I'd much rather be doing this than watching Argentina versus Croatia. <laughs> Did you, have you watched the other matches? Yes, I, I got it. I got stupidly passionate about it all once again. And, um, <laughs> You know, it, it's um, I love my sport and uh, it was a tale of heartbreak on Saturday night. But, you know, life moves on. It does move on. And tonight we're on joy, aren't we? So yeah. so what I'm going to do, David, we haven't had it. We didn't have chance for a little catch up before we started. No. So I'm going to give you 15 to 20 minutes. I'll give you a wave if, if I need to. But <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing what you've got to say. OK, look, thank you for this invite. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. And Basically, I, I, I sometimes think that with with uh, time, we can forget the most basic messages, can't we? At the beginning of Advent, we get this glorious reading in the, the lectionary. Um, that's staying awake. I've, I often wondered about that as a kid, staying awake. Surely it can't be a case that sleep is a bad thing, right? And, you know, we get this call at the beginning of Advent, in all three of the years, um, to stay awake, be observant, for you do not know the hour that the burglar might come. And I, I've often wondered about that. So here's the thing. There's something about the burglar that comes in the night in the scriptures that's repeated. And what is that about? Why does the burglar come in the night? Why does why is that a repeated scriptural metaphor? Well, what happens, of course, is you're not going to be mugged. In the scriptures, you're not going to be mugged. That's a very conscious experience. You know when you've been mugged. It's humiliating. It's degrading. It's abusive. To be burgled in the night is an unconscious act. That's its point. You don't know you're being robbed, right? Here's the thing. Over a course of time, people have told me over the years, when their houses were broken into, it often took a while before they realised what the damage was. You know, somebody would say, well, the car keys had gone and the car had gone, but it was weeks later that they discovered that the jewellery had gone in the upstairs bedroom. And then I remember one lady saying to me, I, Dave, I didn't even know she'd been upstairs. Now, here's the thing. In the scriptures, the thief is coming just like that. It's that simple idea. So what is the thief coming at? There's a lovely line. I really like this in John chapter 10, verse 10. People use this a lot with young people. I have come that you may have life 
and have it in abundance. And you often see that in school mission statements. People like that scripture. The thing is, it's only half of John chapter 10, verse 10. And the other half is often edited because as those of you with an eagle eye for your scripture will know, the other half of that sentence reads, the thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. <laughs> and a lot of people don't really know what to do with that bit. <laughs> the thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. Why does the scriptures keep referring to this thief? Why is he always coming in? Well, the thing is, the thief isn't coming after your bike. <laughs> Not in the scriptures. The thief actually isn't coming after your jewellery either or your, or your car. In the scriptures, the thief is coming after your virtue, your giftedness, the things that God's given you. That's what the thief is after. Now, here's the thing. Right at the beginning of his pontificate, Pope Francis calls his first encyclical, get this, the joy of the gospel. And the interesting thing is that this is going to remain his primary homily. It's in every encyclical, it's in every letter that he writes, and it's particularly in his tweets if you read them. What is he getting at? In Article 18, encyclical, Pope Francis writes this. He says, don't be robbed of your joy. So here's the thing, folks. Before we start considering the blessing that joy is, the role that it plays in our life and in our churches, the first thing to know about joy is that it is vulnerable. <laughs> yes, it is. You can lose your joy. In fact, I'm going to go a bit further than that. The scriptures seem to imply that children have joy and that we're born with joy and that we can see joy in the young ones. That's why we miss them when they're not at church. It's not just that we want them to have what we've got. We know they're good for us. Children provoke joy. But the interesting thing is that Jesus... Sorry, excuse me, excuse me, one moment, David. I can just, yeah. when you move over, sometimes we're losing your voice a little bit. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, okay. Thanks. Okay. You carry on. Sorry to interrupt. I just, I just no. only lost a, a couple of words. There's no point being on the radio if you can't hear someone, right? <laughs> yeah, thank you. So, sorry, that's because my notes are to the side of my eye, but bear with me. Yeah, I can hear you there now. Um, so you were just saying we can lose our joy and yeah. the children in church. Yeah, that's right. So what happens, of course, is that for Francis, pivotal issue is that joy is vulnerable. That's what it is. Joy is vulnerable. And I, I just wonder when we're thinking about this, whether that is how it feels. Do we feel that our joy has been eroded? Do we get a sense in which... There's something about life that that steals our virtue. So at Christmas time, sorry, particularly at the beginning of Advent, when the church says, wake up, stay awake, don't know what night, what hour of the night the thief is coming. Of course, what we're alerted to at the beginning of Advent is that we might have lost the important things. So Christmas particularly the run-up to Christmas in Advent, is a call to recognise where the thief has been. <laughs> OK, what got stolen this year? You know, did the pandemic er er erode some of 
some of your patience? Have you found yourself losing some of your enthusiasm for life? Is it possible that at the beginning of Advent, we arrive recognising that once again during the course of the year, we might have worried too much, we might have worked too hard, we might be tired and exhausted, and then the gifts and virtues begin to erode. Pope Francis is going to allude to seven of these in his first encyclical. Get this, I really like this. In, in Evangelii Gaudium, he says, don't be robbed of your enthusiasm. Then he says, don't be robbed of your joy. These are inception parts, different sections of the document. Don't be robbed of your hope. Interesting. Don't be robbed of your community. Don't be robbed of the gospel. And don't be robbed of fraternal love. These are all going to be go, go on to become key themes of his homilies. Now, I've got to take you to Evangelii Gaudium, Article 83. You've got to love this, people. It's brilliant. <laughs> Here, Pope Francis is going to say what happens when the burglar comes in the night. One of the more serious temptations, he says, which stifles boldness and zeal is a defeatism which turns us into querulous and disillusioned, get this, pessimists and sourpusses. Now then, church, excuse me. This is the first time in 2000 years that the word sourpuss appears in Catholic doctrine. And I was fortunate, get this, at the beginning of 2013, when Pope Francis had this document promulgated. I was in Rome with a group of people from all over the world. And I said to them, do you mind sourpuss? I know what that means, but what's that translated in your language? It was amazing because we went round the room. People gave different definitions from their documents and they were all pretty predictable until we got to the Spanish. The Spanish. The Spanish translation is better than the English because in Article 83, sourpuss is translated as vinegar face. Vinegar face. Now, what does the world look like when you steal it of its joy? Vinegar face. And I just want you to think of that encounter with people sometimes. By the way, just to be clear, they're not bad people. But when you're robbed of your joy, you're robbed of your enthusiasm, it doesn't make you bad, it makes you sick. And then, without ever intending it to, you're the person scowling at children at mass, or you're the person who's irritated by the people who go to communion out of sequence, or you're the person who's irritated by the people who turn up late or whose child is crying. And you never meant to be grumpy, you never meant to be miserable, but actually Advent says, whoa, what happened to those gifts I gave you last year? <laughs> you know, what's happened to the joy of your youth? <laughs> what's happened to your enthusiasm, your vision, your dream, your determination to make the world a better place? What's happened to all those things? So the first part of this exercise on Gaudaute, this revisitation of joy, is just to begin by reminding ourselves that joy is vulnerable 
St. Teresa of Avila once said, from gloomy saints, save us, O Lord. It's an interesting line, isn't it? From gloomy saints, save us, O Lord. Why does any of this matter? Well, we'll be thinking a little bit about that after the break. But the last thing I wanted to share with you on this topic is that Pope Francis continually repeats it. He says, I don't want a joyless church. I want a church that is joyful. And so at Christmas, we're reminded to wake up, to stay alert, to be sensitive to the things that we might have discovered have gone. Sometimes we replace our enthusiasm with cynicism as if that's cleverer. And we can even go to church meeting and imagine that everything is getting worse and people are bad. And before long, even the meeting is a bit cynical. So Christmas Advent is an invitation to joy. And after the break, we'll consider a little bit about what the church teaches actually about joy, which is fantastic. Is that OK? David, that sounds wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, I have chosen some music this evening, which I hope is joyful and it's also Advent music. I'm always a little bit nervous about any Christmassy sounding hymns in case they're there, they're there for the wrong season. But I've checked and I hope this is truly Advent. So this is Joy to the World and it is the Church on the Move who are singing it. So I do hope you enjoy it.
are listening to Radio Maria. It's Credo, and I'm going to send you back to David. David, you're on air. Thank you. Well, okay, so having considered that our virtues, not just joy, by the way, but particularly joy, are vulnerable, that life has a habit of raining. <laughs> on our parade of bursting our balloons there's there is suffering as well as as uh, delight in life and so all of the gifts and virtues are considered vulnerable it's why we use in inverted commas we practice them because they are and christmas is a time to remember our joy so here's four little pieces i think you might enjoy them they're probably things you know already but they're easy to forget the first is that the church teaches, now I rather like this, that we're made for joy. In fact, it's part of our hunger. A yearning for joy, writes Pope Francis, lies within the heart of every person. That's interesting, isn't it? Because if that's true, without joy, we probably feel incomplete, even restless. And of course, that reminds us of the prayers of St. Augustine. You know, our, our hearts long for God and they won't find rest until they rest in him. And the church is quite clear about this. It's quite a beautiful piece, really. The Canadian bishop wrote back in 2018, we celebrate God's joy, I like this line, which longs to break into us. It's as if we were made for a longing that God wants to meet. And one of the definitions of that, the church calls joy. I probably met this most vividly in my mom not long before she died, because on one occasion she said to me, David, I don't want you to remember me like this. And I said, how do you want me to remember you, mum? And she imagined it. It was quite curious because she wasn't normally like this. And she said, well, and she closed her eyes. She said, I'm in a yellow dress. It's a sunny day. I'm with your dad. We're laughing. Remember me like that. I remember thinking, I didn't think you could choose your memories. But actually something about that has stuck and I realised why. What she was really saying is, I'm tired, I'm done, I'm frail, I know what I look like. But don't ever make the mistake of thinking that inside me there isn't a young woman in a yellow dress still dancing. That's the thing about joy, you see, we were made for it. It's part of us. And when we lose it, we're not ourselves. Number two, the church's vocation, excuse me, starting to sound a bit technical, but get this. Were you brought up on this? The purpose, the very purpose of the church is to bring joy to the world. Now, a lot of people will tell you out there that through good people, well-intentioned people, they learned that the church taught us how to be good might have taught us how to pray, might have taught us how to be earnest, might have taught us a lot of things. But for some people, there was definitely an absence of joy. For Pope Benedict, 
his precision on it at 2012 was to teach the church her very vocation is to bring joy to the world. And Pope Francis takes that a bit further. He says, therefore, we become missionaries of joy. He says, we must become joyful messengers of challenging proposal. Why does that matter? It matters because to the popes going back through the centuries, if we're not joyful, we're not attractive. And if we're not attractive, it doesn't really matter what we say. No one's going to listen to us. Now, don't misinterpret attractiveness, by the way. This is not about how we look. It's about our aura, our very being. The message is the joy of the gospel. That's its primary. It's it. That's its primary purpose is to is to ignite the joy that lies lingering inside of others. I like that because the popes go on to teach us that without joy, we're pretty struck. We're not heard. We're not impactful. It's as if our message doesn't reach into the hearts of people. Joy suggests the church is the evidence of the Holy Spirit. I like all that. I like cheerfulness because that takes me to point number three, which is probably one of my favourites. And it goes a little bit like this. Get on with it. You go, what? And it goes, look, no, joy isn't about your mood. All right. You can be in a bad mood. <laughs> we all have bad days. It rains on our parade, right? We go on holiday and the weather's bad and then the flight's delayed. It's easy to be losing our mood. That's not where joy sits. St. Therese of Lisieux put it beautifully. She said, if you're losing your joy, dig deeper. It's a conscious act. It's a decision, folks. And it's not false. It's not hypocritical. It's not a mask we wear. The joy we rely, we rely upon sits underneath our moods. So sometimes. We have to make a decision to be joyful. Now, please, this is not about wearing a stupid grin on our face, walking up the high street, looking falsely happy. Joy isn't that. Joy is a determination. It's a commitment. It is a gift, but we have to dig for it. In the prophets, we learn to take off the garment of our sorrows. Have you ever heard that phrase before? You know, some of us wear our wounds like medals. <laughs> we moan and we complain and then we get absorbed in it. We don't mean to, but before long, our message isn't very joyful. <laughs> we tend to see the bad in people and the world's getting worse and we don't realise we're doing it. Here's two parts, two parts to Pope Francis's homily. Number one, choose joy or put another way. Cheer up. And the second thing is, tell your face. Tell your face. Because until you tell your face, it's just personal. It's just yours. And joy is meant to be infectious. Cheer up, Dave Wells, and tell your face. Remember the words of the Mass. Father, it's our duty and our very salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks through your beloved Son. You know, be grateful, cheer up, and go after joy. Now, that's not the same as forcing 
a false smile. And that leads me Okay. Your yeah, sorry, David. We just we lost your voice a moment there. So oh, it was just when okay. you said number four. Yeah, if you could just okay. yeah that last little statement. Thank you. Okay, so number four. That might be the band connection. Um, okay, so number four. This is the fourth of four points, and it's simply this: joy. I write like this is a light cast upon reality. That sounds very deep, but what does it mean? Pope Benedict talked a lot about this. Each day, he says, each day is filled with countless opportunities for simple joy. I want you to be encouraged by this. What it means is that joy isn't a deeply mystical experience, experienced only by those in the deepest solitude or the most profound relationship with God. Joy is a simple exercise found in the dirt the bus stop, the reality of our ordinary lives. I remember as a young dad, sitting in a lounge, watching my family, some of them playing, my wife reading a book, and I remember feeling deeply joyful. And something about the experience spoke to me. I didn't hear words, but it was almost as if God was saying, Dave, this is as good as it gets, a Tuesday night in February just before bath time. This is as good as it gets. And it was almost as if the Lord was saying, if you can't see it now, you probably never will. Joy is a light cast upon reality. It's not for the preserve of the most holy amongst us or the most seemingly holy or the most seemingly prayerful. You can catch joy at a funeral. You can catch joy in a rainy day in a child, in an experience that's quite casual and mundane. Joy sometimes is simply seeing things the way God does. And that happens occasionally, and when it does, you don't need a lot of it. Gaudaute Sunday, the weekend we've just had, a call, a reminder to joy, to joy itself, so that when Christmas strikes at the heart of us, we're ready to receive it. There you go. A bit of a theology on the gift of joy. Thank you so much, David. I'm going to play some music again now, and it is going to be um, another Advent hymn, and it's Watching, Waiting, Longing by Rick Lee. And dear listener, um, this has been a really fabulous programme so far and it always makes it even better if we have have you call in on 01223375564. I always have a question or two but it makes such a difference when we hear other perspectives, other questions, other comments. So please do feel welcome and responsible even and filled with joy to f- Call in on 01223 375 564. Let me just check that I've got the lines open for you. And I'm doing that right now. Yes. So the line is open. You go through straight away and you hear the radio and I'll get to you when I can. And in the meantime, let's listen to some some more music. (laughs) 
On the telephone line, Anastasia, you're both on air. Good evening, David. Good evening. I don't know how to say this, but you're amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> the joy you have. You've taught me something tonight, uh, and it is an eye-opener for me, really. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. It's, it's, it's really, really... I want to share this with my, with my Legion of Mary members. Definitely. Gorgeous. That's lovely, Anastasia. Thank you for saying oh, You're amazing. God bless you. And really keep you in good health. And thank you for this. Thank you for this day. You're welcome. Thank you. Anastasia, can I ask what bit, what little bit was that really stood out to you? It's a joy. I mean, here I am. I can, I mean, like my father passed away 36 years ago. But the memory comes by. I only think it was a good bit. That's a joy he he actually gave me. I I see his smiling face and talking to him. I forget the bad thing about him or what, you know, you know because we respected him because those days I'm talking about sixties, fifties, and we used to respect our parents so much. We have to put our head down when they used to when they used to talk. We have to keep quiet. But what I learned. It's a joy my dad has given me. I have to look at it in a different way, and I can tell people what has Darius explained it to us. That if we, if the yellow dress, yes, I like to be, I'm a giggler, so I like to bring everybody join the church, yes. I like to, you know, people might call me mad, but I like to bring joy just to saying good morning to them. How are you? Open the door for them. I know I'm not, I'm not that perfect. I'm not that well. I have, I have all that, you know, sadness in me. But I can bring other people in happy and joyness together, and we can share it together. That's beautiful. And um, you, you see, what you remind me of is there's a lovely line. Uh, you, you remind me of this with your memories of your father. This is a lovely line. I think it's in a Maurice Letitia. I can't remember, but it basically Pope Francis wanted to give advice for grandparents. Yes. And in it, he he said, "I, I want to give a, a piece of advice to to grandparents. Yes. Give your grandchildren," he said, "a memory of you smiling." Yes. And that wasn't really what people were expecting, but it, it's a powerful memory—a memory of someone's joy. Yes. It's infectious, and do yes. remind me of that. Yeah, I mean, you could have a bad day, but you, you dance with your granddaughter and feel good, and that is uh, all those lot of things going in you, but you bring that joy to that little girl who, who wasn't maybe well, but you cheer her up, just a little dance or smiling or, you know, something. Yes, I totally agree with that, David. Thank you. 
Thank you. You're, you're an amazing learned person. And I've got so, so much to learn. It's amazing to share it with us. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. God bless. And Anastasia, if you stay on the line, I will um, give you the WhatsApp. Please, 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 yes, please, and I'm going to put some music on again. So, dear listener, if you would like to call in, we would love to hear from you. And I know David especially would be glad to hear from you. Um, our number is 01223-375-564. And I'm going to go to some music now. And I won't play the music I was playing before because I suspect there's a bit of an issue with it. I might have gone into some dead air time before. So here we go. Again, the number is 01223-375-564. Please do give a call. listening to Radio Maria and we're in the Credo programme with David Wells who's been speaking to us about joy. Um, I was just saying to David that um, my mum is Irish so when when we he was talking about sourpuss in which document was it in David? Evangelii Gaudium with the joy of the gospel. The joy of first, the... It was his first encyclical. Yeah, so the sourpuss, we were just talking about the sourpuss and um, I'm wondering if it was an Irish person that translated it because for Irish people, certainly of my mum's generation, the puss is a face. Um, so lots of English people may be thinking that it's a cat, but with, with an Irish head, you think it's a sour, a sour face, a bit like the vinegar face you spoke about. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I re- you made me think a lot as, as you were speaking. And um, there were two things that really struck me. First of all, when you spoke about 
choosing memories um, because as you were speaking, I was thinking, how do we, we pray and we have our prayer life and our faith and our sacraments and that should bring us joy. But with the virtues, we also practice them, I believe, don't we? As people, we have to, we have to put effort in as well. And alongside how we choose to choose our memories and I, and that's so helpful um how else can we practice in order to increase and maintain that joy because sometimes we, we you know we do lose it don't we at, at times sometimes obviously they're really bad times and and that's that's a different thing but in the everyday run of life yeah any any advice on that david it's such a good question and it's a question we should meet and talk to each other about often and and all of the virtues um during the pandemic we needed fortitude and we 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 needed to understand fortitude and think about it but so at christmas we think particularly of joy now excuse me i'm not a joy expert um and it's really important to know that your speaker your teacher that your priest can be utterly joyless at times because we have bad days and we have bad experiences and sometimes life just gets us down so I would say, with experience of doing the opposite of my talk, the first thing is to catch yourself out. The skill is to recognise. Now, I think this is what a lot of uh, religious writers call a healthy conscience. Mm. It's the ability to catch yourself being joyless. Now, that doesn't mean you're bad. The skill is to go, oh, listen to me. Sometimes people are very good at this. They'll go, I can't believe, you know, what I just said. Uh, it's almost as if the words come out your mouth and you hear them and you realise you're becoming miserable or you're draining the life out of the situation and you catch yourself out. That's the thing to pray for, the ability to catch yourself out. Now, the next thing is really critical, and that is not to go into guilt. The next thing is to go, oh, I'm better than that. It's a different response. So the first one is to catch yourself doing the opposite of the virtue, whatever it is. The second thing then is to not fall into the trap of demeaning God's creation. You are remarkable. You're absolutely remarkable. And when you're not being remarkable, that's not you being bad. That's you being less than yourself. So the first skill is to catch yourself out. That's a healthy conscience. And then the second thing is to is to say, hey, uh, my mum had a great line when we were little. If I was bad in some sense of the word, I don't know, I misbehaved. She would often say to me, go to your bedroom and give yourself a good talking to. Now, that's not a bad line because actually most of us know um, when we're doing these things, we know that we're talking ourselves down. And so the second thing is to say, no, I'm better than that. That's not me being bad. I, that's me being lazy. I'm better than that. And then the third thing is that business of just providing small, silly habits. Now, I'll give you an example and then I'll shut up. Um, but your listeners will have lots of these. So sometimes when you come home from work and you're tired and you're irritable and somebody's been rude to you and you're bringing all that back with you, I, on some occasions, not always, sadly, but on some occasions, when I pulled up at the house, I'd just sit in the car for a minute. Say, don't get out yet. 
because you're still in the wrong space right in a minute get out of the car and go into that house because they don't deserve the version of you that's coming home from work now as much as that sounds crazy as soon as i'm in that space of going no no don't think about yourself dave just just concentrate on who's going to meet you i find that the healing comes anyway you know the little girl who was my daughter rushes up to me she puts her arms around me and at that stage i suddenly realize how daft I am, you know. <laughs> so there is there are definitely skills to being joyful and and habits. And I guess it would be lovely um if in our parishes we had this conversation a little bit more often. You know, it's not unusual to see sourpuss at mass. And sourpuss isn't a bad person, right? Mm. But somehow we've got to be joy to the world. So having this conversation, I think, is a really good one. And thank you, Radio Maria, for, for giving us the opportunity. Thanks very much, David. We have a little, if you don't mind, we have a little bit more time that I could play some more music and just see if yeah, there's anybody else would like to call. Thank you. So, dear listener, I'm going to give you the number again, 01223 375 564. Please do call in. It would be so nice to hear you, whether it's a comment or a question. Um, feel very free and welcome. And don't worry um, about, you don't have to sound clever. As we've heard from David this evening, quite often that can be a cynical thing anyway. Just be yourself. So I'm going to put on some music and we'll keep the lines open a little bit longer. You're listening to Radio Maria. This is Credo. We are with David Wells this evening. And David, I have time for one more question, if you don't mind. Mm. Um, I've thought about joy and I've been thinking um, when you were speaking, I don't know if anybody would share this feeling a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it's the, you know, the age I'm at in the years. But I think also the way the world is, um, you know, with with our concerns about um, climate change and war, you know, those heavy things that we're so aware of and that seem so unsurmountable. And I have wondered whether um, Pope Francis talking about joy, is it the virtue of our time, the one that's most at risk and the one that most needs to be nurtured? And I just wondered if you had any thoughts on that. Isn't that a powerful question and, and such a good one for, for faith communities to consider? I mean, whatever happens uh, out there, please don't form joy committees. Uh, the, last thing, the last thing we need is a joy strategy, right? We, we, we've got protocols forever. Um, listen, I think you're onto something with that question. I think that, you know, when the church says that we hunger, we're made for joy and we hunger for it. Its absence affects us acutely. 
So we do live, and Pope Francis said in his Urbi et Orbi blessing at the beginning of the pandemic, I don't know whether you remember, but he, he said, dark clouds have descended on a closed world and we're building walls everywhere. We're building walls between us. What he was really saying is be careful of an ad agenda of joylessness. Now, don't get down on the world <laughs> because when we start doing that, we start falling for it. I think that we must remember that as well as going seeking that joy, which according to the church sits deep within us, we have it. Another skill really is to pray for it. And because you do meet people who exude joy, there are certain people in our parishes, in our lives, and you'd say, do you know, I listened to Dave and I think, yeah, he's reminded me of somebody. You know, one of the things I'd like to ask you all as you're listening to this is, can you think of anybody who you describe as joyful? And then when you start to do this, it's kind of interesting because I'm going to put a little bit of a wager on this. Not that I'm loaded, but if I could be a betting man, I would suggest that possibly the people who are often quite joyful are not the necessarily the ones who've had the easiest lives. And you begin to notice that certain people have a capacity for joy in all circumstances. And that's why, by the way, the church calls joy a gift more than it calls it a virtue. So go digging for it, go looking for it, make an effort to be it, but understand it as a gift. And in these times, it's needed, it's needed more than ever. I mean, just one other point on this, which is kind of interesting how Pope Francis talks about this. He says, look, I need people. It, he was very much inspired both by Pope Paul VI, who wrote in 1975 that the risk to the church wasn't materialism or secularism or atheism. The risk to the church was joylessness. And he says we can't have evangelizers who are anxious, depressed, impatient or dejected. And what often happens is we begin to feel disillusioned. And in those times, the first thing to do is to catch yourself doing it. And if it feels overwhelming, pray for the gift. Because I've got a feeling that we all know people who have the gift. And I'm not sure they're the people who've had the easiest lives. So there's a lesson for us there. Probably more than ever, we need joy now, this Christmas, in the midst of a war-torn Europe, a, a, a world savaged by increasing prices and desperation, um, a world torn by migrants and refugees. It's time to pray for joy because joy is going to give us energy. And when we've got energy, we can do great things. Thank you so much, David, for your time and uh, giving us so much to ponder on over the, the coming, the coming remaining weeks of Advent and, of course, into Christmas. Would you say a prayer for us? Mm, of course. Thank you. I'm mindful that uh, this coming week in the Scriptures at the weekend we'll meet Saint Joseph. And um, that could have been a whole other hour. <laughs> Speaking of which, a... I, I do hope you may come back to us, David, if you're not too busy. <laughs> We'd love to have you again. <laughs> well, he's amazing. And, uh, and of course, and thank you. Um, the, the interesting thing about St. Joseph, Pope Francis calls him the father in the shadows. 
beautiful it's worth a consideration all of its own but let's ask for his intercession let's ask saint joseph to pray for us um, as we consider him this weekend and his acceptance of quite difficult challenges in his life so heavenly father we ask you to help us to find the joy that we were born with the joy within us that you gave us when you imagined us and may we find that joy usher it forth and give it to our neighbor we make this prayer through your son our lord jesus christ amen amen good night and god bless good night